This is Transistor.fm. Hey, it's Justin from Product People. Imagine you've built a product that you're passionate about, and to demonstrate its capabilities, you create a demo that attracts the attention of the New York Times legal department. They promptly send you a cease and desist letter. What do you do next? That's what's on the show today. Cody Brown is going to tell us about his experience with ScrollKit. First, I want to tell you about some great sponsors. Sprintly has been with us since the beginning. Their web app is the best way to manage the software development process. It's agile project management that works. You and your team can try Sprintly for free by going to www.sprint.ly. We have another premium sponsorship slot available if you want us to represent your product every week on our podcast on Twitter and our website. Visit productpeople.tv slash sponsors. Now let's get to our interview with Cody Brown. Hi, I'm Justin, and this is Product People, the podcast focused on great products and the people who make them. And today, we have Cody Brown on the show. He's the co-founder of ScrollKit, and he recently found himself going head-to-head with the New York Times. Hey, Cody, welcome to the show. Thank you, Justin, for having me. Well, it's good to have you. Now, let's start. um, First, tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, Where do you live? What's your, your background? Sure. Um, I'm from originally from Colorado. I live in Brooklyn. Um, my background is um, actually filmmaking. I spent uh, years, like 12 through 19 of my life, uh, practicing my Academy Award acceptance speech. <laughs> um, but when I, when I got to film school, I just got quickly obsessed with the Internet. And here we are. Yeah. What, um, how did you transition from, from film to, to the web? What was, was there a specific point or is that just something that happened gradually? Sure. Um, I mean, I, 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 I pursued both interests sometimes, you know, at the, at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the, the web has a lot of, lot in common with film and that film is, uh, a, a kind of synth- synthesis of a, a lot of different types of media. You have photography, you have sound, you have music, all of it coming together. Mm-hmm. And on the internet and, and in the browser, you have that massively so. You can combine you know, photography, music, and all those things, but you have this kind of interactive element. So it, in some sense, you could see the browser as a continuation of, um, of, of film in some ways, but there's even more media inside of it to play with. That's right. That's right. And this is probably a good segue to the, the product you've, uh, you've created. Uh, mm-hmm. You're the co-founder of a, a company called ScrollKit, uh, and that's the name of your product as well. Uh, what's the, the story behind it? Sure. ScrollKit is a way to create powerful visual stories on the web. Uh, ScrollKit as a company started because doing this is uh, really expensive um, and or requires you to know how to code at a pretty high level. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to 
massively increase the number of people who are capable of telling these, these pretty powerful stories on the web. Um, so Skullkit as a product is um, our attempt to do that. And and what what was the the, uh, the impetus to do that? Like, what was there something that happened that you felt like we've got to do this? And um, how did how did you meet your co-founder? What what was kind of the the genesis of the company? Sure. Well, it's funny because um, we take advantage of a lot of you know very new browser technologies in order for the product to work. Mm-hmm. But you could think of Scrollkit as actually doing something pretty old and obvious, which is what you've been able to do in print for a long time, which is you can say, like, oh, I want to, like, change the page in this way. I want to move this there. Um, so I want to be able to do that. Um, and we started, like, so, so, so that, was, that was somewhat of an inspiration for, for building um, the product itself was that it it wasn't as um, it was very very difficult to do those kind of obvious moves um, when you're on the web. Um, I met my co-founder while we were both uh, in college at, at uh, NYU. Okay. And we were just friends there and um, started working together. Huh. And did you is this company bootstrapped or did you take some funding? Uh, we we um, got some seed funding um, a little while ago, a couple years ago. Okay. And the company's been around for a couple of years now? Mm-hmm. Okay. So you've been working, because a lot of people may have just heard of Scrollkit mm-hmm. recently, but you've been working sure. on this this product for a while. Yeah. So Kate, who is uh, my co-founder, um, we, we've been working on projects together um, since we graduated college. Um, not all of them have been Scrollkit. We've We've worked on a, a couple of projects in the media tech space. Mm-hmm. Um, this is our latest one. Interesting. And um, now, and people can check this out. You actually have uh, a live demo um, on uh, on the Scrollkit website, mm-hmm. and uh, I was just playing around with it. And it is it's interesting because really that for a long time there's been kind of a print paradigm and right. uh, that was kind of carried over into print software um, where you could lay things out uh, as if it was a page uh, and you had kind of pixel uh, exact pixel control over where things were you could kind of drag them around on the screen and do that and now and then there was the web publishing paradigm which like you said it was a lot different it was kind of uh, anchored in code and was you know you can you can only do so much, um, mm-hmm. and definitely didn't have that same sense of control. Um, but this this thing that you've created, like I was just trying it out, and it it's it feels like um, you know laying something out on a page. Uh, can you can you tell me a bit about like what's behind that, especially kind of like the the UI and design choices you've made there? Sure. Um, what you what you just described um, is very much our inspiration for this. Um, the reason that the that paradigm is old um, is because it's the most natural. Um, I, a kid will intuitively understand what to do when you slide them over a piece of paper mm-hmm. um, and give them some crayons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, if you slide over 
WordPress um, to them, um, they may be a little more confused. Um, mm -hmm. So a ton of inspiration for Scrollkit was about how can we make this kind of ad this advanced publishing um, a lot more natural. And the way we do that is that we restore this basic metaphor in their mind for how this should work. Mm -hmm. um, so a, a distinguishing aspect, uh, two distinguishing aspects of, of Scrollkit um, is that we um, focus directly on a single page at a time. You could think of this as a constraint. Um, mm -hmm. we, we don't have an interface for adding multiple pages like Dreamweaver or something like that. Yeah. Uh, we focus purely on uh, this single page experience. Um, and we, we think that inevitably makes things a lot more simple for uh, users. Uh, the, the, the second thing, as you mentioned, is that you have um, pixel level control over the whole page. So if you wanted to, you can actually just draw on the page. Um, you can draw over text, you can draw over images, and that's something that we really that, that that goes against a lot of people's you know understanding of how you know web publishing technology works. They, That's right. You, you, can't, you you can't make those kind of moves um, previously. Um, so that's right. Like everything's supposed to be rigid and in its own little yeah. box. Yeah, yeah. So so in some sense that we we want to move away from like so much web publishing is just about filling in text boxes. Mm -hmm. And we want to move that to um, a canvas model. So like box to canvas is in some sense how we're thinking about this. Yeah. And <laughs> I mean, I think a lot of people have tried to solve this problem. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, I think so many people have tried and failed that now kind of the overriding kind of feeling on the web is, no, we just... All we have to do is you code in um, in an, like a text editor, and you see what's going on. Or, you know, if it's um, like a content management system, you fill out forms on the on the back end, and then you click publish, and then you can see what it looks like on the front end. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> how did you solve these technical problems? Uh, like, are, have you restricted this to, you know? browsers that can support HTML5. What were some of the technical challenges with building this? Sure. A, a lot of what we did was take advantage of cutting-edge browser technologies and make them accessible to people. Um, to answer this question to some degree, I could back up a little bit um, and talk about uh, Flash. Okay, yeah. So, so Flash was responsible for so much of this kind of uh, this you know interactive, more cinematic style style websites uh, back when. Um, but Apple and Steve Jobs destroyed Flash uh, with you know the iPhone and the iPad and iOS, yeah. and pretty much in doing so, single-handedly set back the internet for uh, this, this, this kind of experience on the internet for um, a number of years. Mm -hmm. um, it's only recently with HTML5 and Canvas and a lot of new technologies that 
we're able to take some of that back um, and do it in a way so that wouldn't you know that when you do it, it will actually work on the iPhone and the iPad. Mm-hmm. And um, you know that there is definitely two sides to this because the the you know there's some purists out there that are that would say you know obviously like in the web community now Flash is kind of like a, a joke. Yeah. And um, but on the other hand, you do have uh, creative people, um, or even if you like, if you've ever tra- had to teach someone how to use like a content management system for the first time, mm-hmm. you can see that th- they intuitively want that kind of um, control that, you know, I, I just want to draw or I just want to move this thing here. Um, but uh, yeah, you're right. Like <laughs> on the web today, we often don't think that way. We're, we're just kind of stuck in this one model. Um, yeah. So is it like, w- will ScrollKit work in every browser or are there some restrictions right now? Um, the editor works in Chrome, Safari, and Firefox. Mm-hmm. Um, we focus a lot of our efforts at Endeb to Chrome first. Uh, we're, we're a three-person team, so we can't hit, you know be compatible with everybody. Yeah. Um, but ScrollKit itself produces code that's designed to be, you know, some supportable by all of the browsers. So the the except, output except, except some low versions of IE. Yeah. IE, IE can go to hell. Yeah. <laughs> so so the output is is pretty much yeah. agnostic, but yeah. to to edit these things, you're going to need a modern browser. Yeah, Microsoft's current website looks awful in early versions of IE. So. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. Uh, so, how, how long did it take to build ScrollKit, and and how much did it cost? Were, were you guys planning on, uh, you know, making this a business from the beginning? Maybe let's get into that. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, we've been working on ScrollKit, the product, for about a year and a half. Um, it's taken, you know, an incredible amount of Kate's coding ability. To, to get to where we are. We've gone through a lot of different versions and ideas about how to do it. The editor has started out in a pretty simple way, um, but has you know, gotten a lot more advanced to the point where we can make um, the, you know, the New York Times a snowfall um, in about an hour, or a replica of it, rather. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of our business, we've, we've pursued um, a, you know, a lot of different options with this. We started um, when we when we first started. We saw this as a much broader consumer play mm-hmm. because we're like, finally, like we we found the obvious way that you know people who are as young as seven years old can just jump in and start making a website. Yeah, and and we saw that because we actually saw a lot of seven year olds on the site using it in the most you know adorable way. Yeah, um, yeah, but. You know, we, we, we followed that, you know, hunch to the point where we eventually were into a partnership with Name.com. And once we did that, we started we, we started getting a lot of users and traffic from them. And we started to understand that, um, you know, we give people an incredible amount of control with the scroll kit, um, you know, with, with, with the scroll kit canvas. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the scrolls that we liked the most tended to, tended to be from people who had who already had an eye for design. So mm-hmm. that was at this point we we have you know recently 
um, gone to a, a, a more a, a more pro designer and mm-hmm. with, with the tech. Yeah. And uh, maybe just to back up a bit, uh, you, so a year and a half of development, uh, you have a three-person team. Can you, can you give us a sense of how much that costs? What does a year and a half of development <laughs> with a three-person team, both in terms of money but also in terms of like time, how, how many hours have you put in? Yeah, well, so Squirrel has been our baby and, and our obsession um, for that, you know, entire amount of time. And that includes, like, you know, marketing in addition to, like, designing the product and it, all, all the things that go with a startup. Um, so I the answer to your question is in some sense, like, uh, you know, you take how much salary we've paid ourselves, <laughs> which in this case, you know, a, a, a founder salary, which is very low. Yeah. Um, and then you multiply that by, you know, uh, 1.5. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so those are your biggest costs are just... Yeah, oh my God. It's Yeah, it's people. Um, we pay for tools like Olark um, and, you know, Heroku. But um, th- th- that's not where a lot of the expense is. Although yeah. Heroku, Heroku is really good at getting your money. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it, it, it start, Heroku starts off free, but then it, the costs go up pretty pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Can, you, can you give us a sense of how much it costs to host the app right now on a monthly basis? Yeah, it, it depends. I mean, it, it can be anywhere between – I mean, we've had some months that were like $600. Mm-hmm. Um, which is still relatively small, but mm-hmm. like it is certainly a taxing expense. Yeah, yeah. And so, and you'd mentioned um, the New York Times. I mentioned the New York Times in the introduction, mm-hmm. and they had this uh, really cool. Um, I guess the only way to put it is like a article on the web uh, mm-hmm. called Snowfall, but it was it was different than anything anyone had really seen before it was a single page you would scroll through it and as you were scrolling scrolling through it there's a narrative it's telling a story um, in a really kind of neat interactive way and um, that got a lot of play a lot of people um, you know it got passed around on the web and you um, you decided to make a replica of, of Snowfall. Can you give us kind of the story behind that, why you did that, and then what happened? Sure. So we were completely thrilled when we saw Snowfall, um, the New York Times published Snowfall. We, we were thrilled when they published it, and then we were even more thrilled by the response that it got. Mm-hmm. So Snowfall you know, generated millions and millions and millions of page views. Um, I think it was like a five million page views around this point. Um, and the response on Facebook and Twitter was just people had a, you know, either a new affinity for the times or, or a renewed affinity for them. Yeah. And this was really exciting to us because we saw this and we're like, cool. We've been working on a tool that helps people do these kind of moves. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, long before the New York Times started work on Snowfall. Yeah. So it was very much a no-brainer to create a replica of it. Mm-hmm. Because it was, in some sense, our, our tribute to them. Um, a, a way of thinking about it, maybe, is that, you know, w- we've, at that point, spent thousands of hours 
coding scroll kit, hand coding scroll kit, so that you can make a replica of Snowfall in about an hour. Yeah. And so, so doing that would we we assumed like that the Times would would see this more as a as a as a cool thing as a as a tribute, um, and um, then we got a cease and desist. <laughs> and and what was the the cease and desist was to take down the replica that you you had on your your website. It was it was to take down the video that we made of creating the replica, which oh. showed our interface for doing it. But um, as I said in in my uh, posts about this, uh, we understood where they were coming from in terms of you know their their copyright argument. Like we we could have seen how it could have been fair use, but we don't really have the ability to fight them mm-hmm. on that. Um, but we took down their the, the video uh, right away, and then this is where things get you know more awkward is that um, they then wrote back and said that we needed to remove all references of the New York Times from our homepage. <laughs> so, so you could no longer say, uh, you know, Scroll Kit is a, a product that helps you make something like Snowfall in a couple right. of hours. Right. And I'm just like, really, New York Times? Like, <laughs> you know, at a, at a certain point, it's like I, I have a bunch of friends who are at the New York Times, um, and they're great. And um, I, I think the the New York Times legal department is on, you know, a, a kind of autopilot, and it does things like this. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was important that you know that we we respond. We call. We just ask them why. Yeah, and, and that's what we did. And and you wrote a a post on Medium about this mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that. Seem to get a lot of traction. What's been the what's happened since then, um, since you wrote the post, both in terms of, uh, you know, what's currently happening with the Times, and also um, did that generate additional interest for Scrollkit? Sure. Yeah. So, the post on Medium really blew up. Um, the the last time I checked, it it had gotten more than a hundred thousand page views. Oh wow. So it, it brought us a ton of attention, and um, my inbox last week was just completely crazy. <laughs> um, and it was a lot of people. I mean, you know, it's like to to you know maybe the credit of the Times with Snowfall. There's there there are a lot of other news organizations who want to produce work like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're inspired by it, but just have nowhere near the resources of the times um, to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. So th- this to them is is a way to do that. And I, and I would say that you know this is this to the, even to the New York Times itself is a way for them to more rapidly put these stories together. Yeah, like they they could be using your tool and save themselves a lot of money, or actually even just create another snowfall because they haven't done anything like that since they've done they've done some things they've done some things um but yes no we, we can help them um produce these stories faster um and so is the times like right now is the times still kind of going after you like you you, you they, they want you to remove all of those references no. from your website so i mean as of today our 
so so the, the claim in the times when after us specifically for was um, the the line about how we you know it's it took the New York Times hundreds of hours to hand code snowfall and we made a record in an hour um, that line on is still there on our site hmm. and we we wrote them and asked them to you know why they told us to take this down and you know they, they didn't they didn't, and, and, and like what legal grounds that they are telling us to take this down? Mm -hmm. And they responded with, you know, the 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 uh, the letter that I posted to the site, which was saying like, you know, they would appreciate it. Um, <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> and then they were just being dicks in the yeah. way they it. Um, so that that is still that is still there. So um, we're we're going to replace it because it. <laughs> Uh, it's much better to have just another example um, than to just you know, you know, keep that there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. did, did you have a similar response from? Because I, I remember seeing something you did something for Time Magazine or or yep. uh, a replica of Time Magazine. Did you have a similar response from them? So, Time when they saw that invited Kate and I to their corporate headquarters and. Um, uh, someone there just like you know spent the afternoon like sh introducing us to the whole team. No way. Yes. So very much an uh, uh, you know an opposite response from time. Um, we haven't heard anything from their lawyers or anything like that. They they seem to really think it was cool. Yeah. The, so that's interesting. Two very different responses, yeah. and uh, you know um, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. um, so and and did you get a lot of interest? Because a lot of people wonder about that. You know, if I had a post that blew up and had a hundred thousand views, would that help mm -hmm. my my product? Has it helped Scrollkit? Hell yes! No, it's awesome. Um, it's it's awesome just to get people on Scrollkit and like you know finding bugs for us <laughs> and <laughs> sending sending this kind of reports in, which is good. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, you know, we've had a we've had a lot more new people hear about us, and I think what what's good is that we we're having a, a lot of people will just read the story, and then start thinking about the potential of their content differently. Yeah, where they, where they can think in their head like, okay, like you know, like a, a lot of people just have like a very big story in their in their head that they want to tell, um, and they can think about it a different treatment. Of that content from the web. Yeah, that's the web. And so um, I read one comment on Hacker News. Uh, Jeremy Mims said, yeah. uh, "I work with hundreds of newspapers, and a dozen or so have contacted me to ask how they could use Scrollkit's technology. Have you been getting re requests from newspapers?" And absolutely, yes. Okay, yeah. and can can you give me an idea of numbers? Like, how many newspapers are are contacting you? <laughs> I don't want to say a number, but I can just say like I've been living inside of my Gmail uh, since this post. Yeah, there, there's a bunch. Yeah, and I I can say that a lot more than I anticipated. Yeah, um, hitting us up in response to this. Okay, and and what is the business model for this, um, are you going to be licensing the technology? Or is it going to be like a SaaS app where people can pay monthly? Um, how, how's it going to work? The business model um, is pretty straightforward. 
um, it's two things. It's very straightforward software service per month that we work out on an individual basis with the publisher that we're talking to. Okay. Um, and then in addition to that, once they're once they're set up with that, um, we can uh, we sell services um, to help people make scrolls sometimes. Um, and so they can that, that's something that we haven't developed as much, but um, yeah, once they're set up there, um, they can sort of like buy a scroll a la carte. What do you mean by a, a What do you mean by a scroll? Like, like you you have writers and and like you create content. No, so not writer. So it's more like that they already have their idea for the story. Gotcha. And they have individual assets, but we have a a small network of designers that can um, help them produce their vision. I see. And what is um, so? Do you have paying customers right now? Yes. Okay, so you have people paying on a recurring basis for a scroll kit right now. Yes. Okay, and and right now, how, how like do you have a sense of when you might be become profitable? <laughs> Hopefully soon. Uh, <laughs> it will it will take a it will it will take a little while for us to um to find our footing. Yeah. When it comes to profits, like you know, a lot of startups. Can I, what what I'm, what I'm thinking now is is, is less about profit and more about just great use cases. Yeah. And how we can accomplish those. And, and what's the kind of average monthly cost? Can you give me a sense of cost? Like, is it, are we, is this a thousand dollar month product? Is it a $20 a month product? Is it, you know, what, what would most people fall into? Mm-hmm. Like I said, it, it's on a case by case, um, um, uh, you know, it's by, it's case by case by case per publisher. Mm-hmm. But it's in between three and four figures for um, each publisher. Okay, interesting, mm-hmm. cool. And so, what's what's next for Scrollkit? What uh, what are kind of your next steps? Where are you going to go from here? Um, so, next steps are to continue um, living in my inbox and um, <laughs> fielding off uh, requests and things like that. Um, but our, our our next steps are we're looking for. Um, Again, just great use cases, and um, you know, really, com- really compelling publishers with cool stories to tell, um, and just ha- helping them realize their own, you know, their their vision, and um, you know, releasing awesome stories in the web. So, yeah, but that's pretty. Like, that's it's pretty simple. We're just looking. Yeah, we're looking for more stories. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks so much for being on the show, Cody. Where can people find out more about uh, ScrollKit? Uh, ScrollKit.com is a good place. Okay. Perfect. Well, thanks again, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Cool. All right. Thanks, Justin. Well, product people, thanks for listening to this week's episode. You can follow Cody Brown on Twitter, at Cody Brown can follow me justin on twitter at mi justin you can follow the show on twitter as well at product people tv you can also sign up for our email newsletter that's productpeople.tv slash newsletter if you like the show please give us a review in itunes it's as easy as searching for product people and clicking five stars next week we're joined by dan martell of clarity we'll see you then
podcast hosting is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm slash Justin and get 15% off your first year.